Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley, my partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. In particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and fashion. And Daiwa, we got your bass covered. Yes, they certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. Available everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can always get it at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded at two studios in Illinois. We ship the audio down to our executive producer, Brad Nearman, at Berserk Productions in Land Lakes, Florida. Hey, Brad, thanks for everything you do. On today's show, we have Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Going to polish off ice fishing season. I'm not sad to see it go, but a lot of people are. But we'll talk ice fishing with Dan Johnson. And then Joe Pogger from Major League Fishing will be with us. They've got a fantasy fishing contest where you don't have to be in a boat, but you can win a lot of money. I think that is a great thing. Who doesn't want to win a lot of money? Speaking of winning a lot of money, Bradley Roy from Kentucky. He just won a huge tournament. It was the initial uh, Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour tournament of 2022. He won it. He's a hundred grand to the plus side of the ledger. Bradley Roy, one of the nicest guys around. Very happy to have him with us. But first, let me turn it over to my partner, Dave Kranz. He's going to bring on our friend, Dan Johnston. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And most of the time, they bring us Dan Johnston. How are you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. Thanks. Excellent. Uh, we're getting long in the tooth here on the ice fishing world, but uh, thought we'd talk about late ice, last ice, because it, it can be a little different than first ice and during the season, can't it? Yeah, it, it can be. And, you know, we, we talk about open water a lot, spring versus fall, and fish transitions and the what, where, when, why, how, all that stuff. And it really is true in ice, too. I think that, as we always do, Dave, with any ice-related podcast, especially, Especially first ice and late ice would be to just remind people to be safe. The, the difference between early ice and late ice is the quantity of ice that you have that can be either good or bad. What I mean by that, early ice, the risk is you have enough. Late ice sometimes can be you've got what looks like enough, but it's not good quality. And I do your research on that. You get honeycombed, black looking stuff. Uh, just don't go there. And I, I just want to make sure I, I cover that point. You can have six inches of ice, and if it's not good, don't go. And you, you'll you'll know when you when you research it. And there's a lot of information on that. But I, I just want to make that point. No, and, and that's a good point. And, and uh, one of the things that you can also look at is uh, the holes are not refreezing, but sometimes you fished an area and the hole that you were fishing in was a six-inch hole, uh, and now you show up, it's open, but it's 15 inches. That's That can be very dangerous. That means melting uh, ice and snow that was on the top is is creating channels through the, uh, the ice, making the honeycomb, and also 
areas that had edges like that, it starts going away. That can be the shoreline, that can be out in the middle. But uh, definitely safety first. We talked about safety last week, and it's very important. Um, now that we touched on that, uh, boy, the last ice, sometimes you can have some of the best days of the year for fishing, can't you? 100% agree. And I think part of it, you just talked about the edges starting to loosen up. And part of that's because our days get longer. And I think when our when we start to get increased light penetration, and that can be early ice, you have great light penetration because it's been open, you know, but you have no snow on it with the waters open, obviously. But when you get late ice and you get longer days too, you start to get more light through that ice too, as the season extends. And that just really starts to just kind of get everything going even before the ice ice comes off the lake and you can find increased bait activity um you start getting uh open edges around necessarily uh in some cases that can increase the oxygenation of the water um you get situations where you can start catching them shallow again in late ice and panfish seem to really light up late ice but specifically bluegills and crappie um i would relate it too early ice in terms of the quality of the bite, it can be that good. Certainly better than mid-season. They're going to start getting to the stages where they're going to be when ice goes out. Yeah, and and sometimes on that late uh, ice, I've caught them where I'm putting the putting the jig down, and you just get, you might still have ten inches or eight inches or a foot of ice, and you're putting it down, and all of a sudden it do, it's only down fifteen or eighteen inches, and it won't go anymore. It's because one has grabbed it, and and they get right underneath the ice. Uh, can can you use your electronics to find that out, or is that one point that maybe it, it's not as helpful? Yeah, well, you're bringing up a great point and this gets a little weedy but what 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 happens is late ice as they start to move around a lot and that comes in two forms they start moving out and off of brush and they start going after the bait fish and the uh, the underwater life that starts to become more alive but they also move in the water column late ice and a lot of times that move is an upward move the challenge with that is obviously that's the narrowest part of our cone angle on a fish finder so yes you can absolutely use electronics but you got to know how to read blips instead of getting that red line that sits there and slowly gets in your cone and gets out of it at 17 foot which is about a three and a half foot of coverage if you're talking about doing the math on a cone angle we all of a sudden that fish is a foot under the ice you're just going to see a blip and that's it but it doesn't mean nothing went through your cone so you just got to understand how to read that i think it's a really really good point and crappies are notorious for this because they get nomadic and they'll start moving around and really what we're looking for a lot of times i misunderstand them for bait because they're hitting the narrowest part of the cone angle but you drop a jig and wrap down there and all of a sudden it's bright red and it smokes it you know so very good point but they they will move up late ice and they do get closer to that ice for whatever reason i don't know but they definitely do that yeah the other thing that i've done well on late ice is finding what last green weeds are are good even if it's just little grass uh something because uh sometimes the weeds that are dying off are are uh you know not as productive uh, i also like broken areas where it's weeds and sand and where you have have uh, not all one type of cover what, what what are things that you've done well on I like to find areas where they start. I like to find fish. I fish close to brush, but not necessarily in it late ice. And then I fish higher in the water column with something they can come find. Three reasons for that. Number one, they're starting to move a lot. 
but numbers number two they want to re- they still want to relate to something but number three they get a lot more aggressive so that jigging rap starts to light up again where they don't seem to bite it quite and again i'm talking about crappies here specifically but even on the bluegill side if we're talking about a any of the small bluegill uh jigs that we use or flies or whatever if whether it's live bait or not they start to move a lot more but you, generally speaking you can fish higher in the water column and you can fish with bigger baits more aggressively simply because they're just more active yeah and and the other that's a good point the other uh nice thing about late ice is sometimes as you get some warmer afternoons uh, mid 30s even low 40s and you still have plenty of ice you go out there and sometimes you don't even have to drill any holes you can fish previous holes and one of the things that i've been successful at is hole hopping and going from hole to hole and you might put one or nice one or two nice crappies or big gills out of a hole and you, and then nothing and then you move to the next one and you catch one and uh, have you experienced that at all yeah, and whole, you know, I'll do that, but I also understand that they're moving more. So I whole hop less late ice than I do when it's tough. Because I, I for example, I might I might go around and fish 20, 30 holes, maybe drop the transducer down, maybe not. If I'm doing that, sometimes I'm literally walking my graph around mm-hmm. with about three foot of cable and I'm dropping that transducer down and spot checking it really quick. But the problem with the I should, there's no, nothing's necessarily a given for every situation, but what I've run into is late ice. They're moving so much that sometimes they come, they don't come to me, but they're more likely to go by me than they are mid season. Cause they're just moving a lot more. So I don't fall in love with my graph as much as I do early in mid season. It's more of trying to, well, it'd be like covering water for bass. We've talked about that a million times on this podcast and it's kind of the same thing. I'm trying to cover water, but I also know because of the circumstances they're moving a lot more but they're higher in the water column so i might fish fewer holes but i'm going to fish at a different level and and they're going to come get it so for example i've stood at a hole for two three minutes and all of a sudden something smokes at a foot under the ice and that's very rare to happen mid-season happens all the time late late ice right before the ice breaks up as they're moving and cruising around there and right uh, do you think that a, a, a jigging bait uh uh, any of the types that are out there, the T-Rips, the Tungstens, any, anything that's out there in the Rapala world or Moonshines, are those more effective because they're starting to get more active as as uh, the ice starts to go away? I 100% agree with that. I, I take that as a, as a rule in stone. And I also relate it to water color. The clearer the water is, the longer I'll sit there because they're going to find it and come get it when they're moving around. And, it, you know, it's it's the jigging, the jigging wrap, the, all, all the baits that you mentioned, they're displacing water, fish profile them because 99% of those fish are coming up to get it. So they're profiling it and they're seeing that thing and it's moving around a lot more. Not near as much of a scent game is holding holding something in their face with a waxworm on it. It's a completely different presentation. So I'm using braid sometimes or light fused line really, more of a fused polyethylene Mm -hmm. with a carbon rod and something where it's just super sensitive, it's connected and I'm jigging it and I'm watching the action of that bait and I'm moving on. Um, But yeah, there's, there's no question there's a lot of truth to that moving bait something that displaces water number one but also something they could see moving around because they're just in that mode to bite it that's the best time of year to fish that time of bait in my opinion that type of bait 
Excellent. The other thing I want to mention, I don't do it a whole lot, but I have many customers that come in and they'll buy big frozen smelt or herring or something like that. And they they work, a, put a dead bait on the bottom for the, and they catch the biggest pike of the season because as the ice melts and fish that were trapped in that ice, whether they're bluegills, crappies or bait, and they fall to the bottom and, and the pike go along. And as they're coming in, getting ready to spawn under the ice, if not already spawning uh, February and March, um, they pick those baits up pretty well. Have you done that? You know what's funny? You bring that up. What we do late, late ice. We do it for catfish. They're not spawning, but they'll come in and picking up shad that are dying under the ice. But here's what I'll say, and this is a really important thing: for crappies, it's not a bottom deal. They lift. So our, our dead stick rods are set shallower than mid season when we set them late ice. It's opposite of going for the pike theory you talked about. You can always catch fish deep, especially if it's you know, on the bottom, especially if it's shallow water. But if we're fishing in 17 to 20 foot, which sure seems to be a magical depth in Iowa lakes, that water column we're fishing in in late ice is higher than mid-season, and especially with a dead stick rod. Boy, that's all, always good information, Dan, and definitely appreciate that. And uh, definitely appreciate having you on the We Fish ASA podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Dave. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back after these messages. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn-out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The next guest certainly has a passion for the outdoors. He's been on before. I'd like to welcome back Joe Opager. He is Director of Communications with Major League Fishing. Welcome back, Joe. Hey, hey, Dave. How are you doing? Oh, doing up? doing good and uh, uh, glad to have you back on the program. I, uh, a couple things I want to touch on today. Let's, let's talk about the, your fantasy fishing at, with Major League Fishing. Tell us a little bit about that and how listeners can participate and, uh, and how it's going so far. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, it's fairly new. We launched uh, two new free-to-play games. At, you know, the website is fantasyfishing.com. Uh, 
and it's uh, two different, you know, fantasy fishing games. One revolves around the uh, Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour, and one revolves around the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. Um, you know, you earn points based on how many pounds of bass your team catches. You can create leagues and play against your friends. Uh, you can also, you know, just compete in the overall leaderboard. Uh, the top 25 players at every single event win a sweet new rod and reel combo from Abu Garcia. Um, and it's just, you know, a lot of fun to play. It, you you play each event and, you know, we give rod and reel combos for each event, but we've also got an overall standings for the entire season. The winner of that gets to go fishing with, uh, you know, uh, Justin Lucas on the Bass Pro Tour. You know, you get to go down and fish in Alabama with him. You could fish with Bobby Lane if you win the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit uh, League. So, I mean fishing experiences with some of the best anglers in the world and it's a fun free-to-play game and gives you somebody to root for in the Bass Pro Tour events. Yeah and, and on some level I think that uh, doing research on these guys and where they're fishing can quite possibly help your fishing skills because you're picking guys that are good at the techniques that are good on those bodies of water and and wouldn't that you know help you uh, be a better fisherman under those circumstances? Oh, no doubt. I mean, everybody kind of has their specialties. I And, you know, there are some special anglers out there that can kind of do it all. Guys like, you know, Jacob Wheeler and Ot Defoe and Kevin Van Dam and stuff. But, but certainly, depending on the fishery and the time of year and the location, you know, you can kind of do your, like you said, do your homework a little bit and make some educated picks. You know, if, you know, we're down fishing in Florida, you're not necessarily going to want to choose a northern angler most of the time but there are of course kevin van dam is a northern angler he's kind of one of those outliers but you know you can kind of make decisions and build your team based on guys strengths you know who are the kind of the pre-spawn experts who are the guys that excel in late summer when the tournaments are held offshore and they're you know ledge fishing deals and stuff like that so there's it's you know you can just pick any 10 guys you want but if you dive in and really do your homework there's absolutely some skill to this game and you can you know better improve your chances at winning some really cool prizes yeah i, I think it's neat but you know a lot of the times uh you you uh in years past as we, we watch tournaments sometimes it's not the guy that has the most knowledge that wins it's the guy that figures it out what's going on those couple of days before the tournament starts and that that can be a hard thing to pick too can't it Absolutely. It's kind of called the, the home lake curse. You know, a lot of the guys you expect to do well in their home lake kind of get caught up in some of the history and they're going back to places where they've caught them before. And, and, you know, sometimes it works, but a lot of times it doesn't and they struggle. And you'll see, you know, the anglers that are coming in from different parts of the country, they don't. They don't know what the local community holes are or anything like that. So they'll break down the lake on their own and find these kind of off-the-beaten path fish that maybe aren't getting hammered by the locals or anything like that. So it definitely goes both ways, and uh, it's always a lot of fun to see how it shakes out. Absolutely. And I think something else that people have to be mindful of is watching the weather because you can be the best sight fisherman in the world. And if you get rainy, cloudy, windy conditions, that will obstruct the view of the best who are at that game. And and you might have somebody else that does something a little different that wins. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's any tournament fishermen weather is kind of always the x factor you know you could you could do everything right coming in the event and if yeah the rains the night before and gets blown out or anything like that uh it, it could change the entire event so 
No doubt. So that's fantasyfishing.com, and they can sign up uh, for that there on that site? Yes, absolutely. So fantasyfishing.com is actually the home. We've got three really cool games to play. So I talked about those first two, you know, Phoenix Boats, Fantasy Fishing, which is for the Bass Pro Tour, and, uh, you know, the Fenwick MLF Predictor game is also a a game that we launched – earlier this season so we ran a little trial run last year huge success it's basically a super simple game where you have to answer six questions based on the event you know how many fish are going to get caught in the championship round which angler of these four are going to fish higher Uh, you know what's the biggest bass that we're going to see weighed in competition way you know and you answer these questions whoever gets the most questions right or the closest answers also wins some great prizes i mean overall for a Overall uh, winner for that one is an all-expense-paid trip with Edwin Evers. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of uh, really great prizes there as well. Top 25 scorers in each of those events receive a new Fenwick fishing rod. So, I mean, and it's all free to play. That's the best part. Yeah, that is that is a very good part of it. Is And it keeps you engaged and uh, keeps you learning about the sport and uh Pretty neat. Uh, fantasyfishing.com. Uh, go there. Check out all the sponsors. Check out what you can win uh, and learn how to play this game. And uh, um, not, was that all three of the games that you could play that you had mentioned? That third one, the uh, the Phoenix, the Fenwick. I'm sorry. Did you say are they all free? No, they're all that. You said there was three of them, and you oh, had to- yeah, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was the the two fantasy fishing games, one for the Bass Pro Tour and one for the Tackle Wars Pro Circuit, and then the Predictor game as well. So those okay. are the three games that yes. we currently offer right now. But, you know, based on our partnership that we announced earlier this year with Bally's and uh, everything that, that they entail, you know, more games are in the works. So stay tuned and, and we'll see how uh, what, what they come up with for us in the future. Excellent. It's young and it's growing and it's going to be exciting. And uh, speaking of exciting, coming up here uh, in the not too distant future, uh, the Red Crest is going to be happening. Let's uh, talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. So the Bass Pro Tour Championship, Red Crest 2022, will be held at Grand Lake of the Cherokees in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, March 23rd through the 27th, it's going to be a massive party. The biggest watch party in bass fishing, truly. Uh, that's And uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, uh, the event. Uh, besides the event, what the uh, people that go there can go and see as far as vendors and, and looking at tackle, buying tackle, participating that way. What, what do we got set up for them there? Yeah, absolutely. So that entire weekend, Friday, March 25th, Saturday, the 26th, and Sunday, March 27th, we're having a massive outdoor sports show and expo uh, right there in downtown Tulsa, Expo Square. It's this massive, uh, it's like a civic center, you know, a huge building that uh, we're going to have hundreds of different sponsors there, including all the big MLF sponsors, you know, Toyota, Favorite Fishing, um, General Tire. They're all going to have a huge presence as well as, you know, lots of different uh, companies from throughout the industry. We're going to have, you know, show specials there. Lots of uh, products are going to be debuting. Uh, Lots of products are going to be for sale. It's going to be your first opportunity to to see and get your hands on a lot of this stuff for the year. And, you know, all the all the Bass Pro Tour anglers that aren't on the water competing each day are going to be there as well, meeting and greeting fans, taking pictures and signing autographs and doing seminars and country music concerts going on, food vendors. It's, it's just going to be a huge party, Steve, uh, Dave. No, that's excellent. I think uh, 
uh, people are looking forward to that. People are uh, ready to get out and do things as we uh, come out of this uh, COVID era and hope it, hopefully things keep getting better as the, the uh, temperatures warm. It seems like they are and it seems like we're, we're going back to something that uh, we really missed and, and that's uh, being together and, uh, and participating in things like this. What an advantage to get to talk to some of the pros, uh, the ones that are out on the water. Uh, you can ask some of your favorites uh, questions and you know, especially if they're from your area or you fish some of the lakes that they have fished and and uh I see I've seen many of these guys that have a pretty good line uh, but sometimes you happen to be there at the right time and you can get uh, a pretty good amount of time with one of them can't you Oh absolutely I mean and, and they love talking to the fans you know you can ask them anything whether it's about you know, your local lake, say if you're there from Tulsa and you want to talk about, you know, Grand Lake or Fort Gibson or something like that, or, you know, just even anywhere from around the country. We're going to have fans flying in from, you know, at all 50 states. So you want to talk to Luke Clausen about fishing up in Washington. Great. You want to talk to, you know, John Cox about fishing down in Florida. Fantastic. It's a great opportunity to do it. We're going to have lots of legends of the sport there, like Jimmy Houston, uh, you know, Hank Parker. Um, it's just going to be a great party. A lot, lot of fun, lots of outdoor celebrities. And uh, you know, like fantasy fishing, everything's free. So you know, if you have no plans for March and you want to come out and meet some of the legends of the sport of bass fishing, Redcrest 2022 is the place to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Absolutely, and that's going to be coming up pretty fast here. And uh, before we know it, we will be there. And uh, weather will be nicer uh, uh, than than this week. But you know, four or five weeks heading into springtime changes a lot of things. Uh, let, one more time, going back to the fantasyfishing.com, they can go there, they can sign up. It's free, and they can play these games. Uh, um, hit the tops of the trees there again on those three. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of nailed it. Fantasyfishing.com, you know, top 25 overall uh, players from after each single event. So eight times this year, we're going to be giving away 25 rod and reel combos. And, you know, you can win some amazing fishing experiences and, and choose your favorite anglers for each fishery. Everything's free to play. So check it out. It's easy to remember. Fantasyfishing.com. Fantasyfishing.com. Sounds fun. I'm going to check it out, and I uh, look forward to that. And, uh, Joe, always appreciate your time, and uh, look forward to the next time we get to talk about fishing. Sounds great, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no problem. That was Joe Apogger, Director of Communications for Major League Fishing. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back after these messages. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. 
depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. I am thrilled to welcome a guest who I have talked to uh, off and on for an awful long time. Uh, I've got a real soft spot for this guy. He, he's an excellent fisherman. He's had a great career so far. And uh, in all honesty, he's one of the nicest guys in the business. And I don't think you'll find anybody say anything negative about this guy. He's got some huge fans, uh, and he's got the respect of all of his peers. Please welcome Bradley Roy. Hey, Bradley, how you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Uh you're good. Glad to be here on this occasion. <laughs> you know what? You're, you're, uh, uh, yeah, for this occasion is, is a good one. You, you just were up on stage, uh, with a big trophy and, and an even bigger check. Uh, you won a huge tournament down in Louisiana, West Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, tell us where you, tell us where you were and what this was all about. It was the first Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour event of the year. And you are the reigning champion now. Uh, where was it at? Yeah, so uh, we were in, uh, you know, Western Row, Louisiana. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of a part of the world where the big tours really haven't uh, stopped because, you know, just the sim- simply the size of the bodies of water. But, you know, with the Major League Fishing format, we can, you know, we can we can kind of break down and fish some smaller bodies of water. So we... We had three different bodies of water that we were competing on. Our qualifying rounds were on uh, Lake Darbone uh, for the first two days, and then the knockout round was on Caney Lake, and then uh, the championship round was on a little lake called Bussy Break. Um, and they're all kind of central, you know, right there to West Monroe, Louisiana. I love that format of moving around. But then again, I love it because I'm a spectator, and, and it makes it difficult for you how is that for you having to fish three different bodies of water? And how much practice time did you get on each of those three? So, you know, it, it makes it tough because, you know, you, you're having to readjust. You know, all three of those bodies of water have their own identity. And they're, you know, our bones kind of shallow, stumpy, uh, kind of real hard to get around on, not much grass, uh, cypress trees. Uh, so you got that, and then you go to Caney, which has got some offshore structure. It's real clean, got some grass, um, got a few docks and stuff. And so it's just a totally different thing. And then, you know, Bussy Break was a, you know, a flooded um, reservoir that's just got a bunch of, you know, reminded me almost like a Falcon Lake type situation where it's just got okay. a ton of standing flooded brush. Um, you know, and it, it, it it's, it's a challenge, really, to, to kind of keep the momentum going from place to place to place. Um, and basically, we and actually we lost a day of practice because of the weather. So 
we got one day of practice for uh, Darbone, and then we ended up getting one day of practice for Caney. And on Bussy Break, they let us do a on one of our off days. They let us do a four hour ride through, which um, it didn't take four hours to see the whole place. It really wasn't that big of a, of a pond or a lake, but um, you know they let us they let us go look at it, but we weren't weren't able to make make a cast. So essentially, we got two days of practice um, for three bodies of water. Wow! So you were you were in your boat, you were all in your own boats. And you're able to run your electronics and, and and look at it that way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because I've used my own boat um, and just able to ride around. You know, we just weren't able to make a cast. You know, I, I I understand that, and this question really never comes up. Do you or any of your uh, any of your competitors uh, drop a camera into the water on a day like that? Yeah, you kind of broke up on me. What was I said, I said, for me? do you do you or any of your uh, competitors uh, drop a camera in the water to look on a day like that when you can't put a rod in your hand? You know, I don't know if there. If I don't, um, I you know, I don't know. Uh, I know years years ago, guys would do it, especially when we went to the to the smallmouth fisheries. Um, you know, and and. and I'm thinking that there may actually be something in our rules now about that, but I'm not. I'm not 100 on that. I don't. Um, I've always kind of been interested to do it, but I just I, I certainly don't do it. That, I kind of rely on my Lorance. I did especially that forward-facing sonar now, and um, you know, structure scan and everything. Just being able to see what I can with it. Man, you know that 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 those new uh, the new breakthroughs in uh, sonar and electronics is is like having a camera anyway. For Pete's sake. Uh, you know, these things keep improving or changing. Next couple of years, it'll be like looking at an actual picture instead of a graph, a screen on a graph. You know, it's it's gotten crazy uh, how how you know how well um, all this equipment has gotten and how good it is. You just how advanced it is. Um, you know, I mean, I can look at a fish on that, especially when they get really close to that active target. I mean. You can tell if it's a bass. You can tell if it's a carp. You know, and you can tell if it's a crappie, and you can you can see it swimming. It's just kind of crazy. Kind of kind of got to wonder what's going to be next. You know. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 kind of scary. And and the thing I I know if you hear this, it's got to make you want to pull your hair out. But I'll hear people say this is making fishing too easy. Oh my god! I don't know how you could ever say that, but. You know what? It's making it a little bit easier. I, I don't think you can argue that. No, it, you, yeah, I mean, it just changes. Because the thing of it is, if, if I've got it, you know, the rest of the competitors have it too. So, you know, saying that it makes it easier, um, I don't know if that's a, a totally correct statement, but it definitely changes, you know, the landscape and changes the, you know, how we catch some of these bass. Um, but that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, uh, unless you just want to, set a limit on what we can have and what we can do in the boat, um, which is really not a good situation to get into either. Um, it's going to, you know, electronics are something that's just going to change and work. The sport's going to have to adapt with it. Right, right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I, I just find it so interesting the way this has improved. And it was like, uh, you know, when, when, when computers came in, every year they were twice as fast, twice as much memory. Uh, they do more stuff. Just it leaps and bounds. It was it was doubling every year, and it seems over the past few years, uh, fishing electronics has done done the same thing. At some point, it's got to stop. It's got to hit a limit, 
And then we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes next. It's just amazing the times that we are living through. Uh, you know, talking about this, uh, you've, you've had a wonderful career. You were the uh, uh, you were the youngest guy ever to fish a Bassmaster Elite Series event. Uh, you were 19 years old, and, and I, I remember you're still how you're, you're still a young man. How old are you now, Bradley Roy? Yeah. How, how old are you now? I'm I'm 30 31 now. So yeah, starting out on the Elite Series, um, you know, seems like a lot of years ago now. When I was 19, um, you know, I definitely, um, you know. Was 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 young, and that that's probably uh, help, helping me more now because I've got so many years under my belt, and I'm still kind of considered young now. Um, early on, it was definitely a kind of school of hard knocks as far as learning how to you know fish some of these different bodies of water against these great anglers. But um, it's you know I feel like now I'm kind of seeing the the fruits of all that you know that the years you know I've spent 12, 13 years out here on the professional circuit. Um, you know, and I'm 31 now, so I feel like a grizzled old veteran, even though I'm I'm just just 30 or 31. Um, so I think it's you know me winning is probably a culmination of of a lot of that. You know, um, being able to get myself in those positions to win, and then now you know I've got some knowledge and wisdom behind me and experience, and um, it just takes a lot, man. These guys don't, um, you know, these guys just don't give you give you uh, opportunities to win or, or to even have good tournaments all the time because they're just the competition so fierce. Um, it's just, it's pretty special when it happens. I, I was laughing. I was reading. I thought I knew, I didn't think I knew everything about you. I thought I knew a lot. I, I was really surprised. I, re, I read an article today that said that uh, they used to, they used to bust your chops when you started out, that your nickname was Pampers. Is that true? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, early oh. on, uh, somebody did give me the nickname Pampers just because of, you know, I was so young. I mean, I was, you know, basically right out of high school when I started professionally fishing. Um, and now, to me, that almost just seems crazy Yeah, um, that that happened. But it was, you know, definitely but you know what? definitely a cool experience and probably is helping me now. I, I, said, I said when I introduced you that you have the respect of your peers – and when you started out, a lot of the senior guys, uh, instead of instead of blowing you off as a young flash in the pan, they kind of took you under their wing and and helped you out in a way, right? Yeah, um, you know, try to you know try to um, be respectful. Like I said, I'm you know, gaining you know even with this win, I feel like that maybe is even more. But just gaining the respect of your peers is a big deal. I mean, some of these guys that I've uh, you know, grown up or grew up watching, you know, and kind of heck, they even taught me how to fish by just watching them on TV sometimes, you know. Um, I get to compete against those guys, so um, that's definitely a big deal to me, and just trying to um, having that respect is, is, is definitely important. Yeah, yeah, and and, uh, uh, and good guys, and you know what, you, you can uh, you, you can judge people on what you know about them, but one of the ways you can judge somebody is by the company that they keep and the guys that that liked you and helped you out are guys i would say are good guys as well so that speaks volumes for bradley roy to me that uh, the good guys like bradley roy because bradley roy is a good guy well i i, I appreciate that and I, you know, I try to be fair uh that's how i was raised and it, it's obviously a competition and you try to go out there and 
and and compete as hard as you can with inside the boundaries of you know what you're allowed and, and, and what you feel like is respectful um and that, that goes a long way and it doesn't take long for you know there's there's a lot of guys that i consider you know veteran guys that have been doing this a long time and they do it the right way and it doesn't take long um for them to notice guys that are doing it the right way and you know maybe doing it the wrong way or or whatever it may be so uh, that's always been important to me. I figured if I did it the right, the right way, it would it would eventually, um, you know, in the long run, it'd be better for me. I agree, and I think you'd do it the right way. I want to take a real quick break here. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. Uh, one of my favorite guys on the tour, he is, uh, he is Bradley Roy, a class act and a great fisherman. Just had a huge victory down in West Monroe, Louisiana. And uh, we'll have more with him. I'm Steve Sarley. This is We Fish ASA. We'll be right back with Bradley Roy right after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. I am on the line with Bradley Roy. Just won a six-figure payday down at uh, West Monroe, Louisiana, Caney Creek, Lake Darbone, and Bussy break. It's a lot of different water, uh, but he, he did well. Beginning to end, he did well. Now, I say we've been following you for a long time. You started doing this since you were 19. And I think a lot of people would be surprised to find out that this last weekend was your first major victory in professional bass fishing since, since you've been on this. I, I would have said you won a half a dozen big, big victories, but ah, uh, that's not happened. Yeah, so it's just always, you know, like I said earlier, these these guys do not give these things to you. I mean, you know, the competition is just crazy, and um, you know, I feel like I've been blessed with a good career. I've obviously made a living doing this, and I, I consider that a a blessing, whether I've won or not. But and I've had seconds, I've had thirds, 
um, top tens. I've been close, but you know, the, at the professional level, um, a victory has always eluded me. Um, and of course, that's always something that you that you want. I can look back and feel like there was tournaments that I should have won, you know, or feel like I let slip through my hands a little bit. Um, but it was kind of nice to finally have one that that went your way, and uh, it all fell together for the win. It took a while for the first, but I don't think it's going to take anywhere near as long for the second. I think you're going to be stacking these things up in the next few years. I hope so. You know, um, yeah, I feel like past few years, I mean, you know, like we talked about, you know, God blessed me with the opportunity to fish at an early age, you know, and I was probably, you know, at the age of 19, starting out on the Elite Series, I was pretty green um, and you had a lot to learn. But I feel like that over the, the years, I've, definitely gotten better and you know i've gotten more confident as a fisherman and i you'll feel like the opportunities for me in the past few years to win or to make top tens and um are getting more frequent so i hope you're right um you know i'm gonna keep fishing try to fish it off my instincts and try to fish you know confidently and and hopefully they start they start coming a little easier how much pressure did you put on yourself to saying uh you know, I know I'm good, but but I haven't I haven't got a first place. That, that were you, did you beat yourself up at all? Not really. Um, you know, like I said, I, I I feel like every day I got to do this that uh, you know obviously it bothered me not to have had a, a win, but I feel like I you know this is what I do to make a living. And uh, I mean, anybody that fishes competitively knows that. I mean, you know, there's one winner and a and a bunch of losers at every tournament. Um, so it's, you know, for me, really top 10, you know, in my brain, if I can make a top 10, I'm, you know, obviously I want to win, but, um, you know, that's, that's, that's good for me and my family and my sponsors. Um, and winning is just icing on the cake. Of course, you know, that's what you're always striving for, but I didn't really beat myself up over it. Um, I felt like it would always happen in time. Um, of course, you know, I would like for it to happen earlier, but it's just, you know, you kind of got to, uh, go with it and, I'm thankful it happened when it did. Well, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at your career stats, and I, you know, without without a uh, uh, without a first place, you, you've made three quarters of a million dollars fishing. That's pretty damn good by any stretch of the imagination. And when you look at it, if first pays a hundred grand and and second pays thirty five grand, man, you, you gotta you gotta cash you gotta cash a lot of uh, top ten checks between second. And tenth to be up there. Now that you're, now that you got first place money for the first time, and we know this is going to happen again, that career earnings is going to double in short order. I I, I think it, you're going to be doing great, Bradley Roy. Well, I appreciate that. I hope I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah, I I I knew you weren't going to say yeah. I know it. I, I'm dang good, and I'm going to win millions. I I knew you weren't going to say that. I knew you were. You're too humble of a guy. Hey, one thing you have uh, you have fished a red crest twice, and we've got a red crest coming up. That's the major league uh, major league fishing championship. It's it's the the big one. It's March 23rd to 27th, and it's Grand Lake of the Cherokees out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. You're in it, uh, and this is a big one because. It, they, they're going to put all their weight behind this because they're based out of Tulsa, and now the championship event is right where their corporate offices are, so they're putting a spotlight there and put a hell of a show on. And the guy that wins this one's going to be not just the winner of Red Crest. It's going to be like the, the winner of the 
Redcrest. How do you feel about Grand Lake and this Redcrest coming up for you? Well, I'll be honest. Um, Grand Lake is, is one of my most favorite places to fish in the country. Um, and, and simply because, you know, I'm from Kentucky. And outside of the state of Kentucky, there, you know, there's some bodies of water that are similar. But, but Grand Lake is really one of those that I feel like when I'm fishing there, I feel like I'm fishing at home. You know, it kind of it all makes sense to me. I've had some good finishes there. Um, so to qualify for the Red Crest and then to see um, and to see that once I found out, of course, it was good to qualify for. Once you find out that you're going to the Red Crest and it's on a body of water that you're familiar with and that you really enjoy fishing and you know feel like you've, you've got a good chance at um, putting all that together. I mean, I feel really confident going to Red Crest and honestly, I can't wait. I mean, I think that's a great time of the year. It's going to be a good show. Uh, there's definitely going to be some big bass caught, but um, you know, I like my chances. Yeah, I got a good feeling for you on this one. I think it's, uh, I think it could be a very, very special time. Let, let's go back to this uh, Candy Creek Bussy Break Lake Darbone tournament that you won in West Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, the size of the fish was absolutely incredible. Uh, were you surprised at how big the fish were on those bodies of water? You know, not have spending any much time down there. Um, obviously, yeah, I kind of was, but, you know, I'd heard there's, you know, research that I'd done over the body of the water that they're, they were, def they definitely had big fish in them. Um, so, so yes and no, um, but definitely, definitely Bussy Break, just, a, it just amazed me at how healthy those fish were. Um, I mean, some of those fish weren't, you know, 20, 21 inches long and they were weighing eight, nine pounds. I mean, huh. that's just incredible because, you know, most of the places across the country, a 21 inch fish will weigh five or six pounds. Um, and, and they were just like, just fish on steroids. It was crazy. So yeah, I mean, I was impressed and it, I, I told somebody this in an interview earlier today, you know, Randy Howe caught a 12, 14 that last day on Bussy break. And, and what's cool about that, I think really it hasn't got noticed. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that, especially the pre-spawn wintertime catch across the country, catch, you know, 13 pounders, 12 pounders. Um, you know, but a lot of them get caught on different things. You know, some of them might be caught on like a rattle trap or a, um, an Alabama rig or something like that. But to catch a 12, 14 on a flipping stick, um, that's pretty crazy. So, there, I mean, there's just not many places that you can go in the world and you can legitimately say, I got a chance to flip up a 13 pounder and, uh, busty breaks, obviously one of those places. Well, the, the amazing thing was, uh, uh, Randy Howell broke the, uh, the, Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour record for heaviest bass ever weighed in during a tournament, uh, 10 pounds, 11 ounces. Okay, cool. That's phenomenal. What was it? The, ne the next day he caught the 12-pound 14, broke his own record? I go, that, that's craziness. That's absolute lunacy that stuff like this happens. It doesn't happen in tournaments. W what's the biggest bass you ever caught? So I caught I caught one on uh, Lake Conroe, eleven pounds. Uh, it was the biggest one I've ever caught. Um, but I actually caught my personal best in a tournament uh, on the on that final day there at Bussy Break. I'm pretty sure that's the, the biggest one I've ever caught in a tournament. Weighed eight fourteen um, is the biggest one I've ever caught in a tournament. So that, that's just a special place. I mean, you got guys that are you know breaking PBs and catching their biggest tournament bass. And, yeah, basically everybody had an eight or nine pounder. It was just it was pretty impressive. All you pros, when as much as you fish and, and just the pre-fishing and fun fishing, uh, have caught huge fish. But usually, 
you don't break double digits in a tournament. That's other times, you know, because uh, you're on you're on the water so much more not in tournaments. And, and to see these double digit fish popping, uh, this is just a very very special place. Uh, they 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 must manage that water phenomenally. The other thing I did notice was you're, you're, you're fishing major league fishing rules, right? Yeah. Every fish counts that's legal weighs in. And, and you'll see uh, tournaments where a guy catches 100 fish and weighs them in. When I was looking at the results, I thought I was looking at Bassmaster Elites because you got guys weighing in four, five, Fish and then I see a six. Somebody got a six. You got set. I think it was seven fish the first day, and I'm going. Wait, wait, seven fish. Oh no, this is major league fishing. You can weigh in all the legals. Why aren't they catching twenty, thirty fish a day? It was a tough bite for numbers, but it was a good bite for biggins. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that really, um, you know, had to do with. Kind of the week of weather we had, I mean, uh, you had a really crappy cold front. A big cold front came through the week before, and then, you know, that water temperature was super low. I remember, I remember on Darbone, it was like 46 uh, the first morning of the tournament, and then Taney was somewhere around 50 when we got over to it, and, and Busty Break was just barely under 50. It, it might have got to 51 that afternoon. Um, just super cold temperatures for that part of the world, and I think that really um, held back the number of bites. Uh, that we were going to get. So that, that's what was mind-blowing to me. You know, it, it may be better, maybe not, but in my mind, you know, if you go back to those fisheries, you know, when the water temperature's in the 60s or 70s, um, it would hard, be hard to imagine maybe what you could catch. Um, you know, you may not catch the giants like we were catching, but you, you, know, you could get into a situation where you could catch several fish over five, six, seven pounds uh, because they're definitely in there. I think that... Uh... Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour will be back on those bodies of water again. I, I I would virtually guarantee that. That was just too exciting to see the size of those fish coming in. And man, oh man, uh, I'd, I'd advise anybody to go and look at the uh, the results on this thing because if you pick apart the numbers, it's so impressive. And when you look at Bradley Roy in in the first place position for this tournament, and look at the other guys in the top ten, man. What an elite, uh, that's a bad word to say, but what a great field that was, man. You, you couldn't have picked nine better guys to have beaten. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, when you talk about, I, I, you could go down the list of all 80 guys that fish on the Major League Bass, bass Pro Tour. Um, you know, any one of them can catch bass. You don't really want any, any of them behind you. But, um, you know, that, that field of top 10 that we had, or the you know the other nine guys, man. Uh, you talk about the thrifts of the world. You know Brian Thrift. Uh, you know Jacob Wheeler, uh, Jordan Lee, Alton Jones. I mean, all those guys were like right on my heels. Uh, Randy Howley. You know, he, like I said, you just, all of you name. I mean, these guys are winners. Uh, they've won classics. They've won you know major league fishing events. It's just um, so having those guys nipping at my heels definitely added to the intensity of the of that last day. Excellent, excellent. You, you, you did you did wonderfully. I can't believe how well you did. And I'm running out of time, but why don't you, why don't you tell us those uh, names of some of the sponsors that uh, keep you out there on the water? Yeah, so, it, you know, I you know I caught all those fish um, 
you know, flipping an arc rod with an arc tungsten weight. Uh, I loved flipping pitch, and it was a fun week doing it. I actually stringed up some of, uh, you know, Seaguar's got a new line out, 22-pound Tatsu. Uh, okay. That was really key, especially at Blessy Brave, that thick cover. So that was a really key setup, uh, you know, with that arc essence flipping stick. And then, uh, of course, Covercraft's been a title sponsor for me for a few years now. That They're just they're great folks and a big part of the team. And, and then, actually, I was running a new – um, you know, Triton Mercury uh, package this year. You know, Triton's came out with the new XRT model, uh, 254-stroke Mercury, man. It's just a, you know, great. We talked about Lorance. All that stuff has to work well. We talked about, you know, I, I hadn't won to this point in my career, but it obviously wasn't because of my equipment. Um, you keep that equipment running well, and it keeps you at, at, at the top level, and then it's just up to you whether you can uh, you can go out there and finish the job or not. But Hey, I, know, Just, uh, I know your sponsors. Everything performed flawless for me that week, and it uh, it definitely showed out at the end result. I know your sponsors love you, and, and it's definitely paying off in spades for them right now for having the relationship established that they do have with you. I'm out of time. I really wanted to get to this, but what, what's your website? Uh, my website is you know, bradleyroy.com or you, uh, Facebook, Instagram, really active on there. I uh, would love to interact with people. Tell the folks, uh, Bradley Bradley Roy is one of the most charitable guys around. He does an awful lot of stuff. He, he's been uh, uh, sponsoring a uh, uh, high school tournament. Uh, he's put together and sponsored a high school tournament down in his home state of Kentucky. Uh, he's done some things to raise money for various causes. Uh, he's just a model citizen in that regard. And check out his website, BradleyRoy.com, and, and find out how you can enter uh, uh, enter a contest where you can spend a day on the water fishing with Bradley Roy. He's doing that for a great cause. Uh, he, he's a great guy. Again, Bradley Roy, congratulations. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon, maybe after you win that Red Crest on Grand Lake of the Cherokees. That sounds awesome. Thank you. Excellent. We'll talk to you later, my friend. Take care. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Joe O'Pogger, Major League Fishing, talking fantasy fishing and how you can win money. And then Bradley Roy, one of the nicest guys around. His first major win down in uh, Louisiana, Bass Pro Tour of Major League Fishing. First major win of many. This is one of the best fishermen, nicest guys around, Bradley Roy. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. They have what you need for every application at every price point. There's no reason for you not to be using Daiwa reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. You can always contact us there. You let us uh, know what you like to hear, what you would uh, like to hear in the future. You got any complaints? Have at it. Let us have it. Uh, we're big guys. We can take any criticism, too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. 
You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.